apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode, another episode, a wonderful episode, a fun episode of Maximum Film. I am your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the booth with me are my friends. And let me introduce you to them. First up, we have the Christmas daddy himself in the midst of his element, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Well, if he, yeah, the Christmas decorations are, are all heading out and heading up and getting placed all over the uh, the apartment. And uh, a new exciting addition this year is Dave able was able to score on eBay some uh, GE bulbs from back in like the 50s that are called Lighted Ice. And these are, they're like a little bigger than a golf ball and they are like covered with like more glass or plastic or something on the outside. So it's just this great big vintagey looking, you know, wild colors, holiday light. Uh, uh, I'll show you in the zoom. So, you know what we're talking about. Ooh. No, hundred okay, yeah. percent. Yeah, I knew I exactly what you meant. My grandparents had those. Exactly. They're very old school, but I'm digging them. And so we have them on the Beautiful. tree this year and it just gives me all the great sort of, um, mid-century feels of, of Christmas, which is, you know, I think how a lot of people like to celebrate it. I need for people who can't see, we have insight Small insight to Alonzo's space, but enough oh, yeah. to see the decor, beautiful. The lighting, atmospheric. It looks so cozy and charming. Well, if you want to to really get a good look at all this stuff, Dave actually started a whole other Instagram oh. account Ooh. because he had people who were like, I'm muting you until January because I cannot look at any more <laughs> of your Christmas stuff. So he moved it all over. It's, a, it's an, uh, another Insta called DXAX Tree. T-R-E-E. So it's a collab. D-X-A-X tree. Oh, yeah. And that's got all of our Christmas stuff. So feast your eyes if that's the kind of thing that is your jam. It would also be the name of your cologne line. Oh, yeah, I know. D-X-A-X three. Yeah, no, I want to wag a finger at those friends uh, because I'll tell you what, no one gets says anything to the Halloween friends that at the stop of October is like, Halloween, I'm going to get an angry text from Luce. But no one says anything about the Halloween friends who's like, it's spooky season, spooktober, let's go. Ah, scary time. Sandy apples and spider webs. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then and then, and then as soon as it gets joy, as soon as people need a little joy in their house, and they're, they're, they're giving, that's when they're at their limit. Maybe <laughs> enjoy some joy to the world. How about that? Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the queen of the Midwest, the super duper producer, the pro programmer, the one who uh, is uh, mistaken to be my assistant at times. But, you know. <laughs> The love of my life. Drea Clark, what's good? I've been mistaken as worse. <laughs> I'll say. Um, what's good is I'm so excited. The day this episode comes out, this Friday, December 10th, I get to engage in a one-hour conversation with Mr. Nicholas Cage. What? Ooh. That is right, friends. Um, Film Independent is doing an evening with Nicholas Cage, and I'm the moderator. And I literally just get to chat over Zoom with Nick Cage and then film independent members can watch. But it's it's one of those like Zoom webinars, so we don't see them. So it's just going to be me and Nick Cage in Zoom chatting for an hour with people watching, which has got to be a fetish for somebody. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm so muted. I'm muted. 
I'm so psyched, though. I can't wait. Yeah, that it's sounds it's like because a he has a new film, Pig, out. Um, and so it's part of the promotions. But I get to ask him about his full career. Oof, well, it's not a, it's not new, Drea, but he's on. Uh, sorry, the, it came out in July in theaters. He's on he's the award. He's on the award now. circuit. You know, he's on the award circuit. Now. And well, he should be. Yes, he should. So anyway, Ooh, so Pig is worth new, checking out. As well. It oh, is. Yes. It definitely is. Give it my a new poke. best friend, Nick Cage, wants you to come see. <laughs> His motion picture that it's on uh, streaming. It's on Hulu. Ah, crap. Oh, yes. I just did a promotion for a pig, but that's okay. My best <laughs> friend, Nick Cage would be happy. I did that. So it works. It works. He appreciates it. Uh, say yeah. iffy. What's good. Oh yeah. What's well, what's good with me is, uh, uh, you know, definitely getting the automatic litter box. You know, I've been going in and I went with the one cause I've heard that the robo kitty, which is, which is all the craze has had some people, folks have had injuries and I can't let Puar get hurt. She's been through enough. People uh, injuries so or cat injuries? Cat injuries. Ah. Uh, but this brand apparently is safe uh, and vetted according to my friend, uh, you know, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, as I said before we record and I don't have to prospect any cat turds. I'm, I'm free. The machine does that. I pull out a box toss the box and then slide in a new box. Uh, and that alone, I still is, am pretty sure you talk like Yosemite Sam when you do it. Oh yeah. I still take the box not. out. Oh, you know, it's a living. Like <laughs> one of these boxes right here. You know, uh, I, I remember when I went to the Sierra Madre, I <laughs> killed three friends, but you know what? I learned in the end money's not everything. So, uh, <laughs> That is, uh, that's, that's, but yeah, no, it's super fun. Uh, but it did move like the litter box into the living room, uh, which is great, uh, because she keeps using the toilet paper roll as a toy and completely unraveling it. No matter which way I put it, I'm gonna have to get one of those weird, like hotel stickers. <laughs> to, that wears off. I will say. Oh, like the, after a the while. The fascination get... with the toilet paper wears <laughs> off it, from one cat lady to another. Iffy. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it does yeah. when I come in scream and then I put, show her the no, paper that's wasted. They don't learn at all that way. In <laughs> fact, they don't learn. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just get bored with the toilet paper at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, she got mad because I banned her out the bathroom after that, and that's her safe place. All right. <laughs> we are jam-packed with a fun episode. Today we're discussing Red Rocket. We'll answer a question on our hotline. Plus, we have another installment of the Christmas Movie Minute. And, of course, we have some staff picks. But first, it's time for our new segment, Ididic. Short for, is this important? Do I care? Each of us will read a new segment and answer the question, is this important? Do I care? Kicking things off is a study that we'll talk about, and it's probably going to lead to a rant from me, but a new <laughs> study uh, shows that 49% of film goers have not returned to theaters. I, I, I cannot begin to wonder why there I am my head. Well, you got to read the thing before you get okay. to rant. Okay. All right. <laughs> According to a new study commissioned by Quorum, Cultique and Fanthropology, 49% of movie goers have yet to return to theaters since the pandemic hit. Of the 25, uh, 2,500 movie goers surveyed, those who have not returned to the theaters listed, 
listed price and value as the major reason for not going back. Also shocking was that 8% of those surveyed were deemed lost customers, meaning they have no plans to return to the theater at all. This group was largely made up of lower income folks with a large proportion of Hispanic, black, and Asian women. The small majority of those who have returned to theaters were predominantly white men between the ages of 25 and 45. Another huge surprise uh, from this survey. Is this important? Do you care? I'm going to let you finish, but yeah, yeah, can no, I please, please propose that our new nicknames are Quorum, Cultique, and Fanthropology? <laughs> <laughs> can that be? I know, yeah. Can we make that a thing? I feel like that that, that does account for a lot. <laughs> like it we really can does. all be assigned one of those. Ooh, look at Quorum over here. <laughs> oh, somebody's well, yeah, got an opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'm Mr. Cultique, and I have to say. Oh, uh, and I'm obviously Fanthropology. Yeah, yeah, of so course. So I, I will say before, if he, you know finds yeah, a yeah. bucket big enough to dive into on this one. <laughs> I disagree with the, I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with their police detective work, Marge. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I think. Oh yeah. That me, once I read that number, I was like, hmm. yeah, for me, like the listing price and value. And again, not to be such a bummer uncle, but if we're talking about statistics, the idea that like, I just read more people passed away from COVID on December 7th of this year, then December 7th of 2020. So we can talk price and value all you want. I think many people are still making judgment calls for themselves, for their families, for their lives, like where they feel safe. And I can't believe that value is not incorporating that as part of the processing. Yeah, that, that is the elephant in the room, I think, of this entire statistical study. Uh, uh, our friend of the show, William Bibiani, recently retweeted somebody, there was some article about like, oh, post-COVID, are you heading back to theaters, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what the fuck is this post-COVID shit? Yeah, like, call it's me in not... 2023. I'll let you know post-COVID. Exactly. Like, like we have, we, you know, like, like it was like the day that Omicron showed up in California. It's like, uh, how, how are we even pretending that this is over and that somehow like, yes, we're all dying to get back into a room with a bunch of people breathing down our necks and eating next to us. Yeah, I know. It seems like there's this weird capitalistic Jedi mind trick they're trying to do to us by keep mentioning post COVID as if it's not ramping up. And there's a lot of shitty shit happening with COVID. Like uh, if we could take a pit stop on the whole Omicron issue, the fact that it is live and direct in Europe, but has been blamed on African countries mm. strike one Uh the, the only countries vendor Africa, like it's like, Oh, we, it's almost like we're just starting over. Uh, the reboots have left Hollywood and went to, uh, <laughs> Just public health crisis. The World Health Organization. Yeah, yeah because They're taking like, advantage of an IP yeah, that has it, a, like a proven name recognition and a large the, audience. Yeah, the COVID yeah. cinematic universe. It's a whole mess. <laughs> and like, you know, you know, the bright side, the silver line I like to look at over Omicron is it's not necessarily worse, it's just more transmissible. And hopefully we can start to work towards fixing it. But I also, it would be a disservice if I don't mention these variants without mentioning that the whole reason that we're dealing with these variants is because instead of releasing the vaccines publicly to every country, once we hit them, we were trying to make money. And now money is finally going to kill us all. Uh, not to get extremely dark. I do. No, feel that's like what people we will... tune in for. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they yeah. are here for medical politi political yeah, updates I... And super bummer proclamation. Yeah. Anti-capitalist rants. But yes. also, my big rant for this, too, is just because, you know, as 
we go deeper into like movie discussions, we keep talking about box office and who's doing well or not. And then be and being surprised where it's like these box offices aren't smashing. And it's like, because we're supposed to be inside you like good, good. Every time the box office doesn't smash, it's a good thing. Believe it or not. I'm sorry that this movie that you've invested all this money in, but chose not to, you know, deliver it in a way that's accessible to people that wouldn't put them in danger. Is not making millions of bucks? But we, the only way at this point that we're going to even see progress is if we just stay inside and wear our masks, because obviously the monies that's changing the hands with these vaccines are being people with money. Uh, so, so it, I, I think, I, I, yeah. And I, and also I think the other important thing that Drea points, this is a 2,500 survey. That's not even a good sample. That's how size. many people, not the year. We oh. did not time travel. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, get yeah, this. yeah. That's that's yeah. how many people were surveyed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good, good I think too that there are th- like I like picking apart surveys like this because there's yeah. so many things in there that I think are thought provoking. The idea of that there's a whole eight percent of people that they're calling lost customers and are primarily um, lower income, largely Hispanic, Black, and Asian women. And to me, I'm like, oh, see, that's fascinating because you could do a whole other thing about how our last couple of years have really put like a sharp relief on parenting breakdowns in homes and who the burden of like time flex has been. And maybe those are people who are like, I don't I have two minutes to myself every day. I can't go to a movie theater. So I think these kinds of studies are grain of salt for sure. But talk you know get together with a group of friends have an it a dick moment dig into the minutiae of a new study from quorum cultique and anthropology you know (laughs) our buddies yes yes our buddies and our aliases our Uh, buddies and our aliases (laughs) yes two names that are none of our aliases because of the hate mail we would receive according to deadline the daily wire is working on their first major hollywood film release And if you're wondering, huh, what's the Daily Wire? Oh, it's the right-wing news site run by professional worm Ben Shapiro. Thank you, producer Casey. Spot on. The film is also produced by conservative producer Dallas Saunier. Mm. Saunier founded the Texas-based production company Cinestate, which is under fire for several distressing allegations, including sexual harassment and horrible working conditions. Anyway, the new movie is called Shut In. It will be directed by Disturbia and XXX Return of Xander Cage director DJ Caruso. And it's starring Vincent Gallo and Rainey Qualley, sister of Margaret Qualley. The film is about a young mother held captive with her two kids by her abusive ex and a drug addicted accomplice. Is this important? Do you care? You know, it's hilarious how much the right loves to complain about Hollywood and yet oh, is God. dying to have so one of their own. It. Oh, they, they want it so much, you know, and sometimes that manifests with like, you know, Bill Abbott leaving Hallmark and then starting a new network that's even wider and even straighter than Hallmark is. And sometimes it becomes this thing of like, you know, uh, let's see how many how we can cram like 
you know, John Voight, James Woods, and, you know, Robert Davi into Don't one movie. Don't you leave Kevin Sorbo out of that. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and Dean Cain and Christy Swanson. You know, it's like, yeah, look, knock yourselves out. Y'all want to make a movie and you think you've got an audience for it, then then go for it. But, like, don't pretend like you're somehow better than or removed from the cesspool that is Hollywood because you are at best cesspool adjacent. And if you're hiring <laughs> Vincent Gallo, then I certainly don't want to hear any qualms about, like, the moral turpitude of the picture business. Vincent Gallo, I think the best professional term is just is gross and <laughs> has always been gross. His films I find questionable and icky. If you're wondering, huh, how do I know that name? Oh, did he direct a film that somehow premiered at Cannes where he got Chloe Savigny to engage in oral sex with him for real in his own film? Yeah, he's gross. And then he got super Trumpy, super doubled down. And then Sinistate, yeah, if you want to time spend time being bummed out about those. Oh yeah. Google those are articles, everything. articles you really wish you hadn't read. Yeah. And, and Alonzo's right. Like, sure. If you want to make things, make things. I look forward to not programming these motion pictures <laughs> at a variety of film festivals, but there's also, it is the hunger. And so much of what they do is fueled by resentment of not being the people they wanted to be in the first place. And that is fascinating and aggravating and it's the, it's the people who couldn't sit at the cool kid table who then decided that the cool kid table was actually sodom and gomorrah yeah yes. I, I here we go <laughs> <laughs> oh you found your bucket and now you're gonna dive in oh yeah you know this this is just iffy's funville uh <laughs> yeah this is this is just the hollywood you know version of some a phenomenon that we've seen in the comedy scene forever and ever i've been close enough with two comedians who i cannot air quote hard enough around the phrase who have been discovered to be shit bags and then decided to lean hard into the right-wing grift and these idiots give them a shit ton of money mm. because they feel like the <laughs> this person who they're Funding their careers needs it. I mean, like it really is like the grift, you know, like, look, I get it. I, you know, stream on Twitch and, uh, you know, take donations, all that. And I totally believe supporting in the content creators you support. That is cool. But like this idea of framing it, like if, if, if you weren't supporting them, they somehow wouldn't be able to like, these are, these are rich people. And I would never ever in my life be like, say that it is it, a donation is, is like a tip to me and I accept it and I'm very happy and please keep doing it. But I'm never going to try and frame it as if like it's they're not, trying to silence me. Exactly. Like, and, and it's not just supplemental, you know, income. These fuckos have just been doing this move and it's always people who were not never funny in the first place, never getting it. And by getting the support of these chuds are able to walk to people and be like, we have support. And then they get financed anyway. Cause that's how Hollywood works. There no one's keeping them out. They're using this to get you to think you're a part of something by supporting their unfunny endeavors because they could, they didn't have the talent to hack it before. And now that they have a hundred thousand red hats who want to support them because they think they're being silenced, they can walk up to literally any producer. Well, not, I mean, some producers have more. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, not, but they can walk, they, they will not have trouble 
getting their shit made. They have the is, money that talks. Yeah, it's it's this is a industry that runs off of money. It's literally what, you know, a lot of directors have been complaining about that money is over the art. The 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 like it's like what? So so it's it's so I've, I've seen I've seen the pundit version of this as well. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you ha- you have this built in audience that is willing to like buy your books or go to your comedy shows yep. or get your DVDs. And you've somehow convinced them that in doing so, they're like striking a blow for yes. free speech, even yes. though like, you know, that I love all the, the people who go onto their Twitch channel and onto their YouTube channel and onto various cable channels to talk about how they're being silenced. Yeah, you know, Those are that, my that's the grift. Yeah. yeah. My last point of this that I think is super important. Rainy Qualley is Andy McDowell's child. Who's going to tell Andy what her daughter's up to? Ugh. Does she even know it's inappropriate, young lady? That's the thing, though. I think, there, you know, you never know. Like, there are certain celebrities who think, oh, well, they're cool. And then they open their mouth about something. You're like, oh, oh. So, like, who knows? Who even knows where Andy McDowell stands politically? I don't. That's true. <laughs> There's a dirt bag behind every smile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, assume nothing. I, I'm not. I'm not saying I know anything. I do not know anything. But I, which, which means I'm not necessarily surprised that this is a. It's not like you know Jane Fonda's son is stepping up for this or something. Troy would never. No. Oh. Oh, I was ready to break. Yeah. Casey wants yeah. us to keep ranting. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about that red rock. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. Oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a it's a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. And Are you writing a poem? No, and just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. It sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, if you want to wait in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duralde. And today we're talking about Red Rocket. Alonzo, would you mind providing us with a brief synopsis? Sure. So uh, Simon Rex stars as Mikey, a guy who drifts into Texas City, Texas on a bus with pretty much nothing but the clothes on his back. He manages to talk his way into the home of his estranged wife, Lexi, and uh, her mother, Lil. They have heard it all from Mikey over the years, but somehow, uh, conniver that he is, he manages to to work his way back in to sleep on the sofa uh, and to use their house as sort of a home base of operations for whatever it is he's going to do next. And what he's going to do next would appear to be uh, getting into the good graces of a young woman named Strawberry, who is the cashier at a local donut shop. Uh, Mikey is a porn star uh, who has hit the skids, but in Strawberry, he sees his ticket back to the big time. He thinks he's going to scoop her up and take her back to L.A. Uh, and then, of course, doing so, screwing over Lexi and countless other people because that's what Mikey does. He's a scumbag. And, oh, by the way, did I mention it's the summer of 2016 and everywhere you look is Donald Trump. 
Ah, yeah. But like, thankfully framed like just off, like you don't have to see his full head all the time. Mm -hmm. It really is such a great place to put this because it gives this air of selfishness. (laughs) Like, because I, and I'm a Toxic narcissism. Yes. Like it really does set the scene of, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it really, it really helps you see the parallels between him and Trump and that the fast talking, you know, charming because he, you know, he is like attractive. He is like ripped. So he, he really leans into that a lot, but you're talking yeah. about Trump. Yes. Yeah. 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 Trump, yeah. you know, just the ripped body of a soldier. And attractive. Yeah. Just uh. ask him. I, I do think Simon Rex though plays Mikey and it is Mikey Saber. XXX, go check my film site. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my favorite things about him, the fast talking is, so he gets back, no one will hire him because he's never had a job and he just looks like a dirt bag. Like they're not wrong. But so he immediately starts spelling, s- selling weed. And I have never seen a weed salesman with more cocaine energy than Mr. <laughs> Michael Sable. <laughs> like he is so mile a minute. And it's it's also really interesting. We've we've talked about Sean Baker's films before, of course. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie is Tangerine, mm-hmm. and um, I actually programmed Sean Baker's very first film in two thousand four at Slamdance called Takeout. Mm. But he has this beautiful focus and floor. I don't know. I can't remember if we discussed the Florida Project on this. Um, that on- might have predated the show. Okay, but he he really dives into these sort of countercultures and finds um, people and humanity in them. But Red Rocket is so fascinating to me as an evolution of what Sean Baker does because it's the first time where your lead character is still garnering the sympathy that Sean gives everyone, but is such a dick. Like you're <laughs> not doesn't rooting deserve for any him. of it. <laughs> right. He yeah. doesn't. And yet you are. And, and, Simon Rex is owed so much credit and I want to give it out to my friends out there in the ether who mostly know Simon Rex. There's different ways to know him. I'm sure Alonzo can tip us into one, but some of us know him because he is who Felicity lost her virginity to on the television program Felicity. Yes. He played a young art student that looked like Simon Rex. So what was she going to do? But uh, Alonzo, yeah. Do you know why? Well, he he was an MTV personality first, right? Mm -hmm. And then did it emerge that he had done adult work or was it vice versa that he did it after being on? He did it earlier when he was struggling and he did like just on camera masturbation for a, a, I think it was for a gay website. So, solo work is what they Solo mean. work, as they say yeah. in the industry, in Mike yeah, Saber's industry. Right. So that, that emerged when he was an MTV figure. And so, of course, you know, much clutching of pearls. Which oh is my an gosh, interesting yes, parallel I with totally Mikey. Yeah. Didn't connect it, but I remember that moment because I remember thinking, what? Like, like, <laughs> like this is, this is the, the MTV VJ can't do do okay sure right so um, so i mean he's not necessarily somebody who comes from that world but he's been close yeah. enough to like get yeah. to, to know dudes like this and and you know mikey is that classic narcissist where like 
every like no no story is ever his fault. <laughs> Everything yeah, yeah. is like he was so great and he had this great idea, blah blah blah. And then and then we had a falling out, blah blah blah, you know, and then they move on. And you just know that he has burned every bridge possible and is looking yeah. for new ones to burn because this guy is a complete piece of shit and, but that that we want to follow this piece of shit for for you know yeah. just over two hours is a testament to rex's performance and to the world building that sean baker gives us uh, i don't think i have I, like i put this performance as one of like the sort of great riveting scumbags with like oh kirk yeah. douglas in the billy wilder movie uh the big carnival AKA Ace in the Hole, where he plays a reporter who, you know, is like trying to get out of, trying to get back into the big city. And he has to go cover this guy who's in a mine collapse. And in covering the story and turning it into this big human interest story, he actually winds up prolonging the guy's imprisonment because it's good for the story. Like he's the yeah. worst. But that's you, the you, exact but you, energy. But you're yep. fascinated yeah. to see where it's going to go. And that's what we're getting here. Oh, I mean, the the mental judo that was performed to me from like icking the fuck out when he first sees strawberry and he's like, who am I? She's 17 years old. And like the actress was not, thank God. I literally had to look it up because I was like, I'm uncomfortable. Okay. She's of age. It was so uncomfortable. And especially to the shot when she looks up, she looks like so innocent. That is like, like so Per, like perfect like you immediately and you see him and you immediately know where his mind is and you're like no 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 <laughs> yeah. and it really kind of really makes that you know red rocket uh uh title uh you know which if you didn't know is a doggy dong uh you know when it when it comes out it looks like a red rocket because it makes it's you want to slap isn't it yeah lipstick some and in the south they call it red rocket um and it makes you. Want I don't to know slap all my regional dog dong phrases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you just slap him on the head and be like, "Down, get yeah. get away." But like, yeah, he just goes in and infiltrates the light. But then, like, somewhere along the line, you're kind of on board, but like, not really. You're just kind of like, well, she. I mean, even when he first shows up in town, like Alonzo said, he's rolled in. He's got a black eye, no bags. You can smell him. I know exactly <laughs> what that dude smells like. And he's yelling. He's trying to let the the estranged wife let him in. And as much as I was like, don't let that gross guy in. I was like, oh, I hope she lets him in. I, yeah, it's yeah. so stupid. <laughs> yeah. But Strawberry is a great, another, both Strawberry and the wife. I was like, I could talk for 18 hours about either one of those characters. They're both exquisitely played. And they're also giving you, similar to Tangerine, which has um, a sympathetic and humane look at sex work in terms of being a job, of having its own just structures and realities and challenges and fears. The estranged wife, um, you find out that both she and Mikey had gone into porn and that she had left and ended up back in Texas or whatever. But then he starts to allude to like, oh, yeah, I knew she'd be game for it. And that's why the the small idea or reveal, but it's not like a huge reveal, but just, oh, what this film is actually giving me is, again, this sympathetic understanding of the myriad backgrounds of women who might find themselves drawn to sex work. And either were taken advantage of at some point, but are also very sex positive, healthily, healthily sexual people themselves. And there's just something about that of sneaking in um, 
a morality and oh uh, yeah a hundred percent i mean the yeah. way that i thought you were like movie, i disagree Drea. no oh no not, <laughs> not at all I, the move this movie feeds you information about the characters like a four course meal at a five-star restaurant you don't you, you don't you're not taking in a lot of information and then seeing it happen like i went in blind uh and i'm glad i did because i didn't find out he was a porn star until it got to the job scene and then you find out he's a porn star and that's why he's having this trouble but also like when you when you go through and you go back and think on things you can see that he, like this movie feels like a movie about addiction because he's doing like all of the things an addict does. He yeah. wants to go back to that life. They know he wants to go back to that life. They've been through this loop, this cycle before. And they're like, look, if you're going to stay cool, but I don't want to be your rest stop before you get back into the porn stuff. And sure enough, we're watching him relapse into that because there's a moment where like, he's good. He's de he's dealing drugs. It seems like him and his wife, they're getting together. And then he sees strawberry. And that's, that's kind of like that first hit. And it's also, once again, that course feeding is at first you're like, Oh, he's just being a horn dog. Who's like on it. But no, his wheels were already turning and he's trying to turn her into a sex worker, which makes it even more nefarious somehow. Like, where it's like, yeah. What's also interesting, I think, though, is that when we first see the two of them together, we instantly think, oh, well, he's the big bad wolf and she's, you know, Little Red Riding Hood. Mm -hmm. yes. But then yes. as we get yes. to know her, she has a lot of depth and she has things yes. that she knows and an under a certain understanding of the world. Yes, she's a 17-year-old girl who's never left this tiny town in Texas, but she's nobody's dummy. And yes. she understands more than we think she does at first about who this guy is and what his rap is about. So I like the fact that it, they don't just present her as like the mm -hmm. victim, the, you yes. know, the pearl white dangling over the cliff waiting to be rescued. She is, she's got she her own stuff going on. She is not the Reese Witherspoon in Cruel yes. Intentions. Yes. Well, that's yeah. the, that's, but, nor is she the Reese Witherspoon in Freeway. She's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. And that's what I mean in terms of giving us these women who have agency and, and that they're dealing with sort of obliquely with sex work, but there is a lot of sex positivity to this. Like mm -hmm. this is a 17 year old girl that I do fully believe her sex drive and her interest and her <laughs> somewhat disconnect at times from it, but it's never a strange, like, Oh, she got coerced into this or, Okay, male director, settle yeah, down with right. how you think. <laughs> yeah. Like, I fully was like, oh, no, I believe that girl. I know that girl. And... Yeah, and that girl would absolutely call herself Strawberry. Like. Yeah, no, it, it it really like it's kind of like the the one. It's the the reason that you kind of get on board with it, but also that it's the element too that I feel like like what I like is that I didn't come out of this being like, oh no, she's gonna get into sex work. It's oh no. She's he's gonna get you in a sex work and fuck you over. Like it's yeah. not that she's, she's getting, getting sex work with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not the fact that she's getting into it. It's just that that we've we've shown that he's he the worst agent high. ever. Yeah, yeah he's the, he leaves people high and dry. And once they figure out and he and you just ugh, like it's it like when he tries to explain 
why he's the one who gets best oral. It's so oh my, funny. He, if he, just to make sure people understand that he has received AVN awards for best oral. And yes, that's as a recipient of said oral. And he's like adamant that the reason the actresses got it was because of his involvement in the scene. I, I do think too that, the Red Rocket and the Mikey character is such an indictment of how our culture, how Western culture in general, lets attractive, fit people be garbage humans and succeed. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you are attractive enough and, like, fit and he's... And it's it's also... I love that it's Simon Rex because he is in his 40s now. And he's in the bright sunlight. And he's aging. And you can see, like, oh, it's like getting the crevices. The boyishness is still there and the whatever. But it's like his character knows that, too. We keep seeing him working out. Like, there's just this whole thing of what a very attractive in a certain way person is allowed to do in their behavior that's just overlooked by so many people. Like Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, just stone yes. cold fox. <laughs> yeah, like I, and, and that's Trump. that's one thing I also want to say while we're talking about people being hot. Yeah, like I like almost wanted to, it would have been the weirdest thing to stand up and clap for, but I think Brie Elrod was the perfect casting as, because like she, as the wife, she, yeah, as the wife and as like someone who has done sex work, because like you, there was like an element where you're like, oh man, yeah, she really has like, there's no way other way to say it, but she has like a great body and you're like, oh, I could definitely like see that. And then just see like, it, in what in a weird way it helps you kind of like like there were moments I was watching it and I'm like Mikey you have this like person who loves you is great and attractive and you're just so obsessed you don't even care about strawberry as a person you care about what she can get for you and you're throwing away like finally being there for this person and just like if you know, he, that's the speech I've wanted to give so many friends, boyfriends, it's <laughs> crazy, but yeah. that's, yeah, it is a good point. Like that they have, Oh, I do think people should know there is sex in this film mm. and it is deployed in such fun, interesting ways. Oh, like can we you'll be like, about- dude, dude, like montage of hanging out in a house and then bop, bop, bop. <laughs> I keep illustrating things with sound effects, but that's fine. I'll be that person. I so I do I I enjoyed the inclusion of sex in this and that it both kind of was an investigation of how porn presents sex because but it was also done for comedic points yeah. at times. Oh yeah. Like my favorite moment is when he first like kind of interacts with Strawberry and it gets really intense and it does that cut and you only see Rex and he's like yeah. having sex and I I like reeled. I like legitimately reeled because it's funny because the, the, the work hasn't been done to fully draw me in yet. So I reeled and then she pops up and then you're like, Oh, and then you're like, Oh, you were just over there flirting. And now you, Oh, it's yeah. The, I love like the way that Sean was playing with uh, our emotions in, in the film. And I think to play on what Dre says that, yeah, I mean, attractive people do get away with just an insane amount of shit, which makes the people in this movie who do not 
ever buy into his bullshit all the more interesting. Like the 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 woman who Miss sort Fan? of the local drug well, oh, Miss yeah. Fan, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Job, but the, like the local drug king yes. who has an <laughs> incredible collection of wigs and her uh, very very butch daughter. They're just like they're always giving him the coldest like. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, that's he, great. <laughs> like never. They have, going they have for his, his number. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Chomping at the bit. Oh yeah. All no, it's it's yeah. It's so good because it really is like that. It just adds that groundedness because there is always that person, that friend, that who just that their shit just never works on. And kind of seeing them kind of acknowledge that and move on. Like they don't even try and fix it. They don't, they know what it is. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to shoot it to you straight and move it. They're also a great foil, the drug dealer and her daughter of what Mikey doesn't understand about human relationships. Because he does not understand that they're friends with his wife and her mother. He doesn't understand how communities work, how people genuinely supporting each other and like, may or may not filter in and bite him in the butt like later on. And, but it is, it's, he's, he's a, uh, just a casual sociopath. And and the guy who does buy into his line, oh, the, the hardest him up. comes to a very tragic end. Although he's somebody who's already made some terrible decisions on his own, right? but, but now with Mikey, he makes even worse ones. Just the, the character of the next door neighbor and everything that unfolds with him every moment we spent. First off, I was like, well, that guy's real. And Sean Baker often works very well with non-professional actors. I don't know if he was one of them, but I was like, I believe that guy lives there. That guy lives yeah. there and is working yeah. on his car right now. And it's that car. <laughs> uh-huh. But his entire thing and the reveal about him and then the dramatic turn of him were all like that's the kind of thing to to thread that through a story just elevates it in such an incredible way. This whole thing could have existed without that. Like Mikey could have gotten you know sort of moral impetus some other way of like oh yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna do it I'm rejuvenate. But working that character in was like oh I love it I love it. I guess yeah. you already know my vote. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to it. Let's sadly you know. Uh, I'm a screen it for sure. Uh, I love what Sean Baker does and he's still doing it. <laughs> he does it here so well. Like, like Ray says, he, he, he focuses on communities that we don't often see represented in movies and he never feels like a tourist. It always feels like he has done, made the effort to sort of understand who these people are and what stories they have to tell. And I just find his films in general, just so humane. Uh, he's interested in what makes people tick and why people do the things they do. And, and, and yeah, we, it, it does create this, this thing where we do kind of want to see Mikey succeed, but we also utterly understand that he is a thorough shitbag. And, uh, Simon Rex gives an extraordinary performance. He deserves all the kudos he is getting. Indeed. I'm also a screen it, Mostly because right now Red Rocket is only available theatrically as much as we could like <laughs> do enjoy our rants. Um, they shot on 16 millimeter and it is a small enough film that they're able to support doing a theatrical only to begin with, which they did because that's also the sort of thorough filmmaking that Sean Baker's doing. So I do hope if, if it is not something that comes your way in this round in a theater, um, to keep an eye out for it digitally. But yeah, the humanity for it. And I think the other thing that you just brought up, Sean often works in 
like lower class settings or there's um, like poverty stricken characters and there's never a romanticizing or like a poverty Ooh, this porn. feels really yeah this feels really set decorated to look like a poor person house it just looks like no this looks like the exact house that this exact person would live in and his his care for people at every level comes through in all of his departments in every it just his artistry is all encompassing in that way so screen it yes you know me it's this movie i i texted the the gc the group chat that this movie is extremely <laughs> my shit i was real hyped uh really love it uh and yeah i, I think definitely nailed all the points with this i mean anytime you can get someone to root for someone like this <laughs> you've achieved you've you've achieved what you you the highest of things and you know and the ending is is fun um leaves yeah. you good to talk about like i'd say this is a if you go to a screening go with friends because you're going to want to sit around and talk about it uh and i'm excited to hear what y'all come up with in the poorly checked by me facebook group uh, but i'd be in there sometimes <laughs> I'll be in there lurking, lurking, watching. All right. We'll be right back to a short break. So stay right there. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ivy Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Drea Clark. And now it's time to answer a call from our hotline. Casey, play that call. Hey, this is Pella calling from the prairies of Ohio. She, her pronouns, parts unknown. Um, and so 2021 has been like a really shitty year to be a trans person who loves pop culture and films. And I just want to say how much I've appreciated this podcast as a safe place where I haven't had to worry about someone going off on a rant about cancel culture and yada, yada, yada. Um, really appreciate that. But, um, the reason that I'm calling today is that I'm in love with this awesome woman. She works in internet programming, and I really want to find an amazing movie to watch with her on our second date. First date's already been planned. We're both pretty ethical, so it probably won't be going to the theater. So I want to find a movie for two trans women for the first time dating in their late 30s. Her favorite director is Terry Gilliam. She loves Babylon 5. My favorite movie is The Truman Show. No Harry Potter and nothing from the Red Envelope channel. Just something that sits really cozy. Um, bonus points if it has pockets. Thank you all for a great year of programming. Casey, Drea, Alonzo, Iffy, I love you all. Merry Christmas, and I hope you get 
everything that you hope for in the new year. Thanks. Oh, well, well thank what a you. Yeah, that, yeah, that was so sweet. Thank you for listening. I mean, if ever, you know, a wonderful, beautiful trans lady called in and the movie I suggested was a J.K. Rowling one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure Drea would uh, punch me in the throat. Uh, so like, uh, you know, and she, right she has a packing punch. So Wait, that was I never going to be on the list anyway. Uh, <laughs> I have an embarrassing question. I don't know what the Red Envelope Network is. It's Netflix. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that's red and oh, because they used to mail when they used things. To send the di- yeah. Listen, I'm so young, Alonso. Oh, oh, I know what. What's a drive? It's really hard. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh, well, we can, I mean, look, we got Hulu, and there's, you know, we got Amazon Video. You know, uh, yeah. Jeff Bezos has shut the fuck up a good amount, and what hasn't is, said anything um, dumb. Now, now, I'll tell you. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna say if 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 the our points of reference here are like Babylon Five and the Truman Show. <laughs> And it's a it's a it's a trans lady date. Would a Wachowski joint be too on Ooh, the nose? No, I like I like I like what you're cooking up. I'm thinking like you know, as we all know, I am a great champion of Jupiter Ascending. That might not necessarily <laughs> be the right date movie, but uh, you know there is that fourth <laughs> Matrix coming out, so you got those three to prep for if you want to you know get get reminded of 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 that whole universe. Uh, Speed Racer has its champions. I'm not one of them, but I understand they are out there. Oh People my god, are very I'm enthusiastic colors, about yeah. that film. I love uh, it. So yeah, that just you know that's sort of leaping to mind as as both sort of genre uh, uh, adjacent, you know, with the Terry Gilliam and whatnot. Although. Um, I had to get another Terry Gilliam of it all. But anyway, you know what I mean. Yes. Can I tell you the first thing that came to mind? Also, I want to thank Pella again for what a fantastic question. I believe this is a trio of people. If someone asked me every day to program a film for something so specific, (laughs) not just a, a second date for two trans women falling in love, dating for the first time, like this, the specificity yeah, alone, like that I is all that. I like. It's bring a buzz it but I, yeah, I know. I would, I, <laughs> I really would love that it was live so I can get some follow up question because you know, like, what would you, you know, because I'm a slut, so you know, I definitely for you know the movie, I p- p- specifically would like like something a little boring, you know, so you ain't got to focus on, you know, so you ain't got to. <laughs> oh, but we know. Also, you know, it's oh, we know. <laughs> But like, also like, I do have like, you know, I think dates are also about like showing a little bit of side yourself. One of my favorite date movies that I have done um, was Kajillionaire uh, because, you know, she got to see my softer side uh, because I took too much shrooms and started crying. And then I like overthink going in for a kiss uh, because, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was thinking uh, I was in myself. Uh, But she was like, no, it's cool. I understood what was good. And also I really like that movie. So I think, I think, and also like the, I feel like the theme too of Congillionaire is kind of like someone learning to open themselves up to love. And I think, you know, right. mm-hmm. you sure. like some, some, some new daters, that'd be a nice, fun energy. And there's like cozy and you can feel warm and fuzzy while you, you know, hold each other, especially if it's day two and it went right. I like all those. I like thinking of the energy of it. My first recommendation, and I'm just sort of sidestepping genre and more of like, like tone and feeling and and also like really grabbing onto the term cozy and with pockets. Um, (laughs) 
You ladies should be watching Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar <laughs> oh my on gosh, your second what a date. Good one. There yeah. you go. It is yes, yes. delightful, cozy, so positive. And let me just tell you, that movie has so much heart to it and is so much about finding yourself or refinding yourself. I remember I had the best conversation with friend of the pod, Guy Branham, talking about how I wept, how both of us wept after Barb and Star and the idea of these women like finding their shimmer again. And if that's not a lovely like tone to enter into a relationship of like just really grabbing hold of grabbing hold of your essence, that sounds problematic <laughs> and maybe we know impossible. what you meant. I think you got me. You got me. Um, but yes, I, that would be, I think a, a nice second date film for so many people. I'm going to throw this one out. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it's heteronormative and whatnot, but it's a movie about like two really smart people who are sort of odd ducks, but also delightful, uh, who, who find love with each other. And it's one that Dave and I watch every Christmas. It's a favorite of ours. Uh, and that would be the fifties, uh, comedy desk set with, uh, Catherine yes! Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. He is uh, the inventor of like a very early sort of room-sized computer. She runs the reference library at a TV network and can just spout facts and facts and figures off the top of her head. And uh, they fall in what is sort of like an early example of nerd love, but dressed really well. And it's sharply funny and being Tracy and Hepburn uh, that I just find delightful. I'll back up desk set. That's a solid... The banter, the joy, the female competence. Mm, good day. I mean, movie. what's not to like? Oh, yeah. No. So uh, I think you got a couple of options. And I think two of those options, you can also pop on the pod after and uh, listen, listen through and see, Ooh. see how it, that, that can be, you know, a, 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 a third date y'all <laughs> sit around the fire i pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sit around the fire and listen to us talk about those movies. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. And once again, thank you for listening. And I'm glad that this was can a, be a safe place. Like I, the, truly the heart and soul of this pod is so you can feel safe listening to people talk about movies. And, you and know, it's maybe the only time we're going to have someone compliment us by saying it's a place they come to to not hear ranting. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, you know, a real fun you, twist. Yeah, now you know you won't. I know the the rant episode is the one that we play that on, unfortunately. But, you know, <laughs> but we know spe specifically it was about cult cancel culture, which yes. we would never rant yeah, about. Yeah, we would never do, except to, to say that it doesn't exist. Yeah, a hundred percent. Look, you're yeah on this pod, you're free to be yourself, whether no matter what that is, even if it's painfully horny. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Thank you once again for that call. Um, and it looks like the hotline well is dry again. It's it's still dry. Oh no, and what that do means it. is he's we have that. a dap dry ass phone line. Uh yep. yep. And we need yep. to turn it to a whap, a wet yep. ass phone line. Yep. We need calls, we need emails. The number is 979-803-1664. And the email is MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org. Help us get a whap. He won't stop saying that until you help yeah. us. So, so please, please, please leave messages. <laughs> you know, swallow me, gobble me, call in and tell us about the movies you like. <laughs> Just the worst. 
Help us retire this metaphor. (laughs) Here to cleanse everything I just said out of your brain. Uh, It's the time where we all sit on Alonzo's proverbial lap. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Christmas Zaddy Christmas Movie Minute. As we all know, Alonzo gets one minute to discuss every Christmas movie he saw this past week. Alonzo, are you ready? Yes. Once the music plays, you know it's time to go crazy. (laughs) Okay, so Hallmark gives us the first half of a two-film interlocking thing called Sister Swap. First one, Hometown Holiday, focuses on Kimberly Williams Paisley uh, rescuing her grandpa's old theater in Small Town. Next week, it's all going to be about her sister, uh, Ashley Williams, running the sister's restaurant in Salt Lake City. I'm super pumped. These movies are actually pretty smart and cute, and I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Also on Hallmark, Eight Days of Hanukkah, the best so far of the Hanukkah movies they've attempted to do, mainly because nobody in the movie has to be, have Christmas explained to them, and almost nobody in the movie has to have Hanukkah explained to them, and that's a very exciting move forward. Uh, the Christmas Contest, shockingly well-written, unfortunately starring Candace Cameron Bure, who has no gift for comedy or drama, so that's kind of a wasted opportunity. And then Christmas CEO is kind of a lot of nothing, but it was cute, I guess. Uh, we also get two parody movies this week, Clusterfunk Christmas on Comedy Central, Bitch Who Stole Christmas on VH1, both making fun of all the tropes, and... Uh, uh, I would say Clusterfunk does it better, although both of them are kind of going after long, low-hanging fruit, and each of them would have been a better TV special. Hey. Woo! You did it! I'm so proud yes, of you. Of course, Ooh. as always, killing the game. But, like, what if people need some supplemental information? <laughs> oh, that's a really uh, good point. Yeah, yeah. Do you have some sort of new book that people could read something they could hold in their hand perhaps yeah yes yes. it's a book it's called i'll be home for christmas movies uh i co-wrote it with the deck the hallmark podcast it contains reviews of more than 100 hallmark christmas movies it's got recipes for throwing a hallmark watching get together it's got fun backstories about the deck the hallmark podcast and about hallmark's history with christmas on television going all the way back to the very beginning of television itself and uh next wednesday the 15th of december the hosts of deck to hallmark are going to be on the kelly clarkson show she what? is holding up my book on camera no i can way. die now oh you, did it. you mean the you star did it. from justin it, to kelly none other yes oh, oh my God, yes. that kelly You've made it. <laughs> you did it. I didn't. I, I got to sit in the studio audience. If I had met her, that would have been one of the first things out of my mouth. So it was probably <laughs> just as well I didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. But now it's time for the staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Drea, why don't you start? So I have a pick from um, a network that everybody calls the um, Red Envelope Network. And I definitely <laughs> knew that. And I definitely know what's up with pop culture in all areas. It is The Power of the Dog, Jane Campion's new film. Um, I love Jane Campion so much. I've been very anxious to watch this film. So excited. We've talked recently about my love of Westerns. This stars um, Benedict Cumberbatch as a horrible human being. Uh, Jesse Plemons plays his brother and Kirsten Dunst plays the woman who marries his brother and his mother to Cody Smith McPhee, Cody Smith McPhee, old Cody Smith McPhee. But I, I want, I would love for people to see this because it uh, talk about looking at humanity through film in such a different way than Sean Baker, but really getting at some human truths The the tonal rides that you'll be on in terms of seeing glimpses of 
jealousy and anger and horribleness. But if you are someone who's like, I don't want to watch a film about a bully cowboy, just know that you will be very satisfied with this film. I need to know that when I see movies about bullies. Yes. And so I will give you that. Yeah. The Power of the Dog on Netflix. And I will, I will back Ooh. you up on that one for sure. Oh, thank you. It's great. Um, I uh, was originally thinking about doing a, a Christmas movie, but uh, because we are talking about a Sean Baker movie about someone in the porn industry, it seemed like the perfect time to bring up 2012's Starlet, uh, a oh, film yeah. which somehow did not get the traction of like Tangerine or Miami Project or other films that he's done. Florida. Uh, Florida, sorry. The Florida Project. I don't know why this one didn't quite, you know, strike the public's imagination, but it's a wonderful film. It stars uh, Brie Hemingway as a young woman who forms an unlikely friendship with a much older woman um, after uh, buying a coffee pot from her estate sale uh, and things sort of spiral out from there. And the movie doesn't even tell you for a good chunk that Brie Hemingway's day job is that she is in the adult film industry. And uh, it treats that industry like the other film industry that is based in Southern California. It is very matter of fact. It is, uh, you know, there are stars and up and comers and rivalries and long days at the office. And just, you know, there's, there's nothing he doesn't italicize or underline anything about adult film. It's just a thing that some people work in and they all live in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's a film that I, I like very much and I wish more people had seen. And it is currently streaming on Tubi and Canopy. Yes, it Tubi is. Tubi has been coming through B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, shout out some, this film only because I just realized that this was the same person, <laughs> but. I actually was loving Simon Rex years ago when I first saw him on Scary Movie Three. Yes, you uh, did. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yep. and he was he was leading that up. It was and it and you know that was the first one without like the Waynes kind of taking the helm, and he was the one who kind of ran with it, and it was getting pretty great. They have this whole like Eminem eight mile kind of storyline and he does the he thing was where legit he funny the, yeah, yeah it was yeah he was great in it so seeing that i'm like oh yeah he's a he's a funny guy so uh that's 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 your mission is to uh bear down and enjoy uh scary movie three he's funny in it <laughs> <laughs> okay end of end of list yeah <laughs> you know you know there's a lot of good elements to it it as a fully constructed dish I'll let you decide. <laughs> let me know. All right. Well, with that, if you have a comment or decision about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum film or send us an email at Maximum film at Maximum Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Smile on it. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson, who I imagine smiles every time he reads my name. This is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.